TikTok says your data won't be seen by China because it's stored in the U.S. But a new report reveals that China can still see it. A three-part explosion rattles a petrochemical plant in Shanghai. Severe flooding sweeps southern China. The region is coping with damages as torrents tear down roads and bridges and cause other issues. Will the Biden administration remove tariffs on some Chinese goods? Both the president and the treasury secretary discussed the possibility over the weekend. And four days, that's all it took to find a replacement heart for an organ transplant patient. But an expert is drawing attention to the seemingly unbelievable speed and asking, is a Chinese hospital harvesting organs? Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Leaked recordings suggest that TikTok user data stored in the U.S. could still be accessed by employees in China and land in the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. The popular video sharing app boasts nearly 140 million monthly active users in the U.S., and most of them are teenagers. Here's a closer look. Your personal data could have already been seen by the Chinese Communist Party. That is, if you use TikTok. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance and leaked recordings from internal meetings seen by BuzzFeed reveal that China-based employees of ByteDance have repeatedly looked at American TikTok users' private data. Casey Fleming is the CEO of cybersecurity firm Black Ops Partners, and he has some advice for TikTok users. You must understand and you must assume that technology from China is tracking personal information that can be used against you and your values. It's unclear specifically what kind of private information was seen by Chinese employees, but according to the leaked recordings, everything can be seen and some employees have access to everything. The BuzzFeed report comes in contrast to TikTok previously denying allegations of sharing user data in China and says they would never do that even if it was asked to. It's to have plausible deniability, and it's all about gaslighting and, and creating their own narratives. TikTok was developed in China with Chinese developers. It's controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. The leaked recordings contain 14 statements from nine different TikTok employees. It reveals that at the very least, engineers in China had access to U.S. data between September 2021 and January 2022. As of April this year, TikTok has nearly 138 million monthly active users in the U.S. 10-year-olds to 19-year-olds account for the majority of this figure. Don Ma, NTD News. An explosion rocked a petrochemical plant in Shanghai this weekend. The incident sparked at around 4 a.m. Saturday. At least one person died in the blast. Another suffered injuries. That's as reported by state media. The explosion happened in three sections, each relatively distant from the other two. All three went off inside an ethylene glycol processing complex in Shanghai, operated by the Sinopec Gas Company. Residents from as far as four miles away got woken up by the blast. It also shattered windows on some nearby houses. Many fled from their homes after hearing the explosion, causing traffic jams. A lingering heavy cloud of smoke has raised concerns about the possibility of poisonous air pollution in the aftermath of the explosion. Locals said they still could smell a pugnant odor three days later.
A social media post shared back in May could shed light on what caused the problem. An annual safety examination was reportedly postponed amid the city's recently eased two-month lockdown. The user who shared the post said the lack of proper safety check is likely the biggest reason behind the accident. Here's what he wrote online. In my social media group chat, there's a worker from the petrochemical plant. The factory has been closed since this round of the pandemic started. Workers stay in the factory to work. He said equipment should be examined and fixed once a year. But the examination has been delayed by the pandemic for two months. If they don't pause operations to do the maintenance, it may cause an explosion with a loud bang. Torrential rains are drenching large swaths of southern China. Powerful flood currents have so far caused property destruction and even deaths as the first bout of summer rains reach the peak of their power. Let's look at what's happening. China's flood season is in full swing. Heavy rains are pounding vast tracts of southern China, triggering floods in cities and mudslides in rural areas. Footage from Chinese state media shows streets transformed into overflowing rivers as torrents break fences, submerge bridges, and sweep cars and houses away. Even fire trucks were carried off by floodwaters. Those images were captured in Guangdong province. Also in the southeast, in the neighboring autonomous region of Guangxi, five villagers were killed when a wooden house gave way. The structure had been lashed by torrential rains. That's according to a Chinese state media report on Saturday. Mudslides and a number of road collapses were also reported. The rainfall recorded in some areas has been the heaviest China has seen in 60 years. According to state media outlet Xinhua, torrential rains have affected nearly 275,000 residents as of Friday. While floods take their toll in some areas, searing heat waves are doing the same in others. Temperatures are breaking records in central China's Henan province. So far, much of the region is seeing temperatures above 98 degrees. While some areas are baking at highs above 104 degrees Fahrenheit, the equivalent to 40 degrees Celsius. So far, the province's highest recorder temperature reached a scorching 107 degrees. In some places, the intense weather has caused street cement and pavement to swell and burst. Chinese weather forecasters say the heat wave will persist until Wednesday. Amid soaring inflation, the Biden administration is considering removing some China tariffs that were imposed during the Trump era. Both the president and the Treasury secretary mentioned it over the weekend. NDD's Jessica Beatty reports. President Biden may remove some China tariffs to try to bring down inflation. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told ABC's This Week Sunday that everyone recognizes that China doesn't play fair when it comes to trade and it's important to address, but she said some of the tariffs they inherited served no strategic purpose and raised costs for consumers. And so reconfiguring some of those tariffs so they make more sense and reduce unnecessary burdens is something that's under consideration. President Biden told reporters Saturday he plans to talk to Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping soon as he weighs whether to lift some China tariffs from the Trump era. Top national security and economic aides are completing a review of U.S. tariff policy and making recommendations. Have you made up your mind on China tariffs, sir? 
Uh, we're in the process of doing that. You're, you're, you're lifting the tariffs? I'm, we're in the process of making up my mind. Former President Trump imposed up to 25 percent tariffs on billions of dollars of Chinese goods. It was to combat the Chinese regime's unfair trade practices. Last month, Republican Senator Bill Hagerty told Fox Business that removing the China tariffs would take away the only trade leverage the U.S. has. I can understand why Catherine Tai, the current trade representative, doesn't want to do this. It's just another gimmick that the Biden administration is pursuing and, again, a net benefit to China. Meanwhile, Yellen also said Sunday that she believes the U.S. economy will slow down, but she doesn't believe a recession is inevitable. Americans aren't so optimistic. A poll carried out last week by The Economist and YouGov found that 56 percent of Americans think the U.S. is already in a recession. And according to the latest survey by business research firm The Conference Board, 15 percent of global CEOs claim their regions are already in a recession. More than 60 percent of global CEOs expect a recession in the next 12 to 18 months. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. How many days does it take for a transplant patient to get a new heart? In China, the answer may be as short as four days. That's all it took for doctors there to find a replacement organ for one teacher. But the seemingly unbelievable speed of the process raised questions. And now, an expert has accused the hospital of harvesting organs from live, non-consenting donors. A recent proposal circulating among Chinese college students has caught public attention. Chinese state media reported that a teacher from northwestern China's Lanzhou University suffered a heart attack earlier last month. His name is Mu Jianggong. But while he was waiting for heart transplant surgery, a proposal for emergency relief started spreading online. The proposal suggested that students donate to help cover the medical expenses for his surgery. State media reported that Mu went into surgery on May 10th, just four days later. During the procedure, his failing heart was replaced with a healthier donor organ. But the surprising speed of the surgery attracted the attention of Dr. Wang Ziyuan, president of the World Organization to Investigate the Persecution of Falun Gong. The organization, also known as WOIPFG, is a nonprofit dedicated to probing Beijing's ongoing campaign against the Falun Gong meditation practice. Addressing Mu's surgery, Dr. Wang Xiyuan called it incredible and unbelievable that a matching donor heart be found and a transplant operation completed in less than a week. But his words carry a darker meaning. As a doctor, Wong spent 30 years studying how to save lives, but he says he never imagined that he would spend decades investigating how Chinese doctors take lives. Wong is one of many experts who believe China is running a large-scale living organ supply bank, one with an organ pool so large that it can provide organ matches at virtually any time. These people who have completed various examinations are concentrated in some places. Then once a patient needs an organ, they will find matching people in their database, in the human body library, according to the matching needs of the patient. Only in this way can they find an organ so quickly. Otherwise, it is impossible. In April of last year, the WOIPFG released an investigative report. It accused Wuhan Union Medical College Hospital of participating in the regime's organized underground organ transplant market and of harvesting organs from people while they're still alive. The report also alleged that the hospital is involved in the crime of organ harvesting from Falun Gong practitioners and other groups. 
Because the CCP's organ harvesting from live people has corrupted social morality and the judicial system. It harvests organs from live Falun Gong practitioners as capital to build a bloody business that is more profitable than arms and drug trafficking. Because the industrial chain is dominated by the CCP, the people involved are unscrupulous, and with the stimulation of huge profit, their greed has been constantly developing. When the organs of Falun Gong practitioners cannot satisfy their greed, they naturally extend their evil doing to the rest of society. Wang says the Communist Party's organ transplant crimes have influenced the whole of Chinese society. In 2013, a six-year-old child named Xiaobing Bing in Shanxi province disappeared and was found two days later, but his eyeball had been gouged out. His corneas were gone, too. Wong adds that the CCP has adopted extreme measures in its persecution of Falun Gong and has turned illegal organ harvesting practices into a highly profitable business. What's more, that huge profit encourages further crimes. A Taiwan hospital announced last Friday that it would not renew its employment contracts with two doctors. That's because they conducted organ transplant surgeries in mainland China without reporting the procedures to the hospital. The Tsanghua Christian Hospital said in a statement, the Chinese Communist Party continues to harvest organs from living human beings. The targets include Tibetans, Uyghurs, Christians, and most commonly, Falun Gong practitioners. The statement added that the two doctors have conducted multiple organ transplant surgeries in China and have gone against the rules for transparent and traceable organ sources. The hospital is concerned that they violated medical ethics. Organ harvesting practices in China have received increasing criticism in recent years. The 2021 U.S. report on international religious freedom cited U.N. officials to highlight Chinese organ harvesting. It went on to list a similar lineup of targeted groups in detention in China, including Falun Gong practitioners, Uyghurs, Tibetans, Muslims and Christians. Last month, the European Parliament passed a resolution condemning organ harvesting in China. It's the body's third similar resolution in the past decade. Coming up, China's oil imports from Russia hit record levels. Beijing is further profiting from discounted supplies, while Western countries enforce sanctions on Russia over its, its invasion of Ukraine. Hear more details after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China's crude oil imports from Russia are up 55 percent from last year. The figure hit a record high this May, with Moscow displacing Saudi Arabia as Beijing's top supplier. The boom comes as refineries cashed in on discounted supplies amid sanctions on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. Here are the details. Russia became China's biggest supplier of oil in May. Crude oil imports from there soared 55% from a year before to a record level. It means Moscow has now retaken the top spot from Saudi Arabia as the top supplier to its eastern neighbour. Imports of Russian oil hit just over 8.4 million tonnes, according to official data. That's just under 2 million barrels per day. It shows Russia can find buyers for its oil despite Western sanctions over the invasion of Ukraine, which it calls a special military operation. However, Moscow has had to slash its crude prices, a move that appears to have attracted major Chinese buyers like Sinopec. 
The crew deals also highlights the ties between the two countries. In February, when Russia's invasion began, they said their friendship had no limits. China's overall demand has been slowed by health crisis curbs and a slowing economy. Despite that, it wasn't just oil China bought heavily from Russia. Data showed it also brought in almost 400,000 tonnes of liquefied natural gas last month, 56% more than a year before. Russia earned almost $100 billion from fossil fuel exports during the first 100 days of its war in Ukraine. This is according to a report by the Finland-based Center for Research on Energy and Clean Air. During this period, the European Union imported over 60% of Russia's fossil fuels. By country, the top importers were China, Germany, Italy and the Netherlands. Some countries, including China, India, the United Arab Emirates and France, have increased their purchases from Russia. The report also highlights the fact that Russia is spending over $880 million per day on its invasion of Ukraine. The new Australian government paid its first visit to the Solomon Islands capital last week. That's amid concerns about its deal with China and Beijing's growing military presence in the Pacific. Let's take a closer look. Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong met with the Solomon Islands leader on Friday. It marked the new Australian government's first visit to the island's capital amid concerns over the Solomon Islands security pact with China. Wang said its Pacific neighbor assured Australia that there will not be a military base nor a persistent foreign military presence in the Solomons. Wang also met with members of the Solomons International Assistance Force, or SIAF. According to local media, SIAF was formed upon Solomon Island's request of Australian assistance to quell a riot back in November. I welcomed Prime Minister Sogavare's reassurances that there will not be a military base nor a persistent foreign military presence here in Solomon Islands. And I welcome his assurance that Australia remains Solomon Islands first security partner of choice. Australia and its allies have concerns over Beijing's potential establishment of a military presence in the Pacific, although the two parties insist the pact will focus on policing. China recently signed a draft agreement on trade, mining, fisheries and policing with the Solomon Islands. Beijing said the document would become a model for its relations with other Pacific nations. Now we head to Polynesia, where the island country of Samoa is commenting on Indo-Pacific tensions. Samoa's Prime Minister said Friday that Pacific security issues can and should be dealt with by countries in the region. Uh, we've advocated that we need as a region to deal with the issue in the broader context of what we already have in place. You know, we're not here just to respond to the situation, uh, you know, um, in, in the Solomons. She also said China remains an attractive economic partner. According to her, Pacific Islands Forum leaders will discuss issues on the security front in an upcoming meeting. Other topics on the agenda include climate issues and public health, including COVID-19. The Minister of British Universities says Confucius Institutes in the UK will be required to declare their funding. He also announced that partnerships with such institutes may be closed if they're found to be restricting free speech. Here's Entity's Jane Wirral with more. 
Following pressure from MPs who are concerned that Confucius Institutes are censoring views critical of the Chinese regime, the government proposed a change in the law that's aimed to protect free speech on UK campuses. These Confucius Institutes are controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. MP Alicia Kearns, who had tabled an amendment, warned that universities are being weaponised. Our students, our kids, our under-18s are being taught Mandarin by Confucius Institutes, which are the arm of the Chinese state. Confucius Institutes are supervised by the Chinese Communist Party, by the Ministry for Education. They are not allowed to hire teachers unless they have been vetted by the Chinese Communist Party. I have recently discovered that Edinburgh University's Confucius Institute has representatives of the Chinese Communist Party's embassy on its board. This is absolute outright political intervention. They are not allowed to cover issues such as Taiwan or Tibet that apparently are sensitive. This is deeply concerning. Lancaster University, Edgehill University, these are two universities that rely on CIs to provide teaching for undergraduates. We cannot allow a hostile power to capture our education provision. British students deserve a choice and they should not be forced to learn a language through the prism and narratives of a genocidal regime. And that is what we are trying to do here. We are not anti-China, it is about resilience within our system. The university's minister set out changes to the Higher Education Freedom of Speech Bill, which means that UK Confucius Institutes need to declare funding and their partnerships could be terminated. She says it will protect universities from undue foreign influences that work against British values. Indeed, New Clause 2 also requires the reporting of funding from certain overseas educational partnerships, including Confucius Institutes. Sweden cut ties with Confucius Institutes in 2020, and later the then US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said that Confucius Institutes were an entity advancing Beijing's global propaganda and a malign influence campaign. This UK bill is now due to go to the House of Lords for further scrutiny. Jane Worrell, NTD News, London. Confucius Institutes are promoted as global education programs imparting Chinese language and culture. But they are known to actually promote Chinese Communist Party propaganda. The institutes operate on campuses across the globe. The world's biggest gambling hub began its second day of mass COVID-19 testing on Monday. This after dozens of locally transmitted cases were discovered there over the weekend. Here's more. Thousands of people in China's Macau lined up for COVID testing on Monday. The world's biggest gambling hub reported dozens of locally transmitted cases over the weekend. Most businesses have been shut, but casinos will remain open. Most of the territory's 600,000 residents have been told to stay at home and border restrictions have been tightened. Shares of Macau casinos tumbled on Monday morning, with some falling as much as 8%. Macau's government relies on casinos for over 80% of its income. Most of the population is employed directly or indirectly by the industry. In a statement, Macau's chief executive, Holet Tseng, said the outbreak had come suddenly and was spreading rapidly. Its source is still unknown. Macau only has one public hospital, and its services are already stretched on a daily basis. The former Portuguese colony plans to test its entire population by Tuesday, as it adheres to China's strict zero-COVID policy of attempting to eradicate all outbreaks. Macau was transferred from Portugal to communist Chinese rule in 1999. Before that, Macau was a Portuguese colony for more than 100 years. 
That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus@ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching, and see you tomorrow. Every once in a while, something comes along so masterful it leaves you in awe, so inspiring it changes your life. So beautiful, you wish it would never end. When that happens, it's something not to be missed. Shen Yun, an all-new production every year. Performance was enchanting. I feel better about the world. I feel uplifted. It touches you. It really does. The expertise of the dancers was really, really strong. To know that it was live music was really fantastic. We didn't want to miss this. Make sure you see it. Have to come. Life changing.